Hello, listeners. Welcome to The Economy Guy. This is Tom Harvey. I want you to be able to make great, informed financial decisions. And so the purpose of this podcast is to give you information, to give you some facts. I'm also going to share some of my opinions on world economic affairs. This is macroeconomics, not micro, my, macro, high-level stuff. Uh, occasionally, I'll get sidetracked, and I'll... Uh, but those sidetracks have an impact on e the economy, and so they have a purpose. In addition, I'll tell you a little bit about myself and life and where I am and what I'm doing. So stay tuned, and here we go. It is Sunday, December 27th, and this is the last podcast of The Economy Guy in the year 2020. Now, I'm not really sad about that because I am looking forward to 2021. I think 2021 will be a very, very interesting year. So let's be positive about that. One, one door closes. Another one opens, or so my mother used to say. So, what am I going to do and to talk about today? Well, let's talk about the markets. First, they went sideways. Okay, we're done talking about the markets. That's all good. Now, what's my prediction? I'm going to do a rare thing and make a prediction here. My prediction is, this coming week, we will see a Santa Claus rally. Everything will go up. You see, 90% of the time in past years, the week after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's, there has been a rising market in stocks and bonds and commodities. You name it, everything went up. It goes up mildly, but it goes up. And it's been given the name the Santa Claus Rally. So that's my prediction. I figure out it can be 90% right. I hope I'm not 10% wrong. That wouldn't be good. Now, no predictions for 2021, eh, 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 other than... Oh, you better watch out. Oh, that's some that's a different different thing. You better watch out. Not out anyway. Okay, well what else am I going to talk about today? Today's not going to be too long of a podcast. I'm going to have two things to talk about. I've talked about the chances of a crash in the market coming, and I have a new predictor for you to watch for something that uh could might and has in the past uh, predicted a uh, down Stock, downward stock market. So I'll give you some uh, facts about that to listen to. I'll also finish the year by giving you the optimistic story about gold. I love gold. So let's move right into what's a new predictor for a stock market crash coming. And that is, I'm going to talk today about high yield bonds. Now high yield is sometimes abbreviated HY for high yield. High yield bonds. And what? let's just talk about that a while. I, I, I'm not recommending high yield bonds uh, I, because they are extremely tricky, especially now. Ten years ago, I would have said uh, consider high yield bonds, but with great caution. Today, I'm not even saying that. It is caution to the wind. I don't do it anything here. Okay, well, what have high-yield bonds been doing? What is a high-yield? A high-yield bond is a bond that has a face value 
with an interest rate associated where the interest rate is higher than the prevailing rates. High, higher. Okay, and it can be significantly higher, in fact. Those are high yield. Typically, a company has to put a higher yield on a bond because it's a shaky company. The chances of it paying its bond before it goes bankrupt is non-zero. So investors who want to buy that bond want to have a higher payback on yield in order to pay for that risk that they're taking by buying the bond. So high yield bonds, uh, also known as junk bonds. I've talked about junk bonds in the past, haven't I? Uh, now, a bond, when it's written, is there's the bond and there's the covenant of the bond. The covenant of the bond. What is the covenant of the bond? This is where it gets kind of complex, right? Different than stocks. A covenant of a bond talks about what are the assets in the company that has written the bond that can be sold and therefore are backing the value of the bond. Say the company goes bankrupt, you go to the covenant of the bond, it says, hey, all of those things over there uh, are, can be sold and to pay the bondholders first. That's what a covenant is. Well, right now, all high-yield bonds, all is a big word, the overwhelming majority of high-yield bonds have no covenant. In other words, there's nothing backing the bond. It's pure junk, junk. Uh, if it had covenants, that's another road, and that's a very complex thing because reading a covenant, either you have to be a very smart, educated person uh, that has years or decades of experience in understanding it, or you need to hire somebody to do it. Uh, so I don't recommend anybody getting into that it, that has never done it before. Unless you like gambling and going to Las Vegas, and that's what it takes. Um, so that's that's what bonds and covenants are. Well, what's happened to the high-yield bond market? Well, uh, when the uh, this the beginning of this year, when we had the COVID cr crash in the February, March, beginning of March, April, stock markets crashed. Well, the high-yield bond market crashed too. It fell 24% in value. In other words, the value of those bonds fell 24%. And that's in spite of the fact that the Federal Reserve stepped in and bought a lot of those bonds in order to prevent it from crashing so much. So think what it, how far it could have gone down if the Fed had not stepped in. Wow. Well, today, those bonds are worth much more than they were before they started crashing. Uh, does that give you a, a real healthy feeling? It's overvalued just like the stock market is overvalued. Okay, well, um, uh, here's the, the thing for today, and that is, historically, high-yield bonds crash before a stock market crashes. So, how do you use that information? It means you have to watch the high-yield bonds and see when the value of high-yield bonds start to fall off a cliff precipitously. It can easily be foretelling a stock market crash that could be following within days. So that is uh, the message for today. It's the tip for today. Uh, take it as an educational tip, guys. Feel the weight. No, no. I like gold as an investment. Okay. Now, having said that, I uh, want to wish all the listeners a fantastic New Year's that's coming up very shortly and a very, very healthy 2021. Stay healthy.
upward and onward. Let's talk about gold. This is my optimistic story for the end of the year. It's like a fairy tale. The goose that laid the golden... No, let's don't do that. No, it's not a fairy tale. Let's talk about real gold. First of all, declaration by myself. Uh, I own gold. Uh, I love gold. I really believe in gold. Why do I do that? I believe that gold holds its purchasing value. It is a mechanism that maintains the purchasing power of, of whatever, of, of, of values. Um, how, why do I say that? Well, if you measure what something cost a long time ago in gold and compare it to today, it's about the same. You know, it, it's different for different products, but say it take a suit, a man's suit. What, bought one in 1900, buy one today? What's the difference? It's about the same amount, number of grams or ounces, it's not ounces, but grams of gold. Um, about the same quantity of gold. It's, so it, it's held the value of being able to purchase something. I love gold for that reason. Because, as I've stated week after week after week, we have an inflating by the Fed's policy announcement and desires, an inflating dollar. In other words, it is decreasing in value by the inflation amount every year. So the Fed is purposely inflating away value. Well, how do you hold on to that value? One method is through gold. Uh, but I want to talk about the golden goose story because sometimes the gold value is not just linear. It goes up very slowly, like 1% or 2% a year. Like the Fed, sometimes it goes much faster, and sometimes it doesn't go fast at all, like when the U.S. government holds the value of gold at $35 an ounce for a long time. It did not go up, and then it kind of exploded out of that when it was released from it, that stranglehold the U.S. government held on it. So, so let's talk more about gold. The potential for a rise in a future rise in gold is one through inflation and two through the correction that has to come sometime in the future due to the massive debt that we've built up. The world, the world has $17 trillion in debt. And that all of that $17 trillion, it has a lot more than $17 trillion, but $17 trillion of the world's debt pays a negative interest rate. Now, I've said forever that negative interest rates are insane. Insane. Totally upside down crazy. That's not the way the world works. The world only works with positive interest rates. Negative interest rates are insane. No one would willingly pay somebody to hold their money. That's what a negative interest rate is. For, and But let's go beyond that. Let's talk about real interest rates. What's a real interest rate? A real interest rate is equal to the interest rate that is paid on a bond. Well, U.S. Treasuries pay a positive interest rate. And you subtract from that the inflation rate. In other words, what is the value as the bond is paid off year after year after you subtract its reduction 
due to inflation. Well, take an example, the five-year U.S. Treasury note currently has, is paying a minus 1.56% real return. Real, meaning it's paid return minus the inflation rate. So, again, I would say this is insanity. For anyone to invest in that is crazy. It's absolutely crazy, especially in an area where interest rates can increase. They can also decrease, but they can, can increase. That gives it an even deeper negative return. So, real interest rates. Understand the term real interest rates when it's used in the press occasionally. It's very different than interest rate. Okay, um, let's get on with gold. So, so there's all this crazy money out there of debt. It has to be paid down. Well, what's real value? I think it's gold. How much gold is there? Let's talk about how much gold there is. There is $11 trillion of gold in the world that has been mined and is above ground. There's some that's still in the ground. Okay, and that's a, a guess on how much that is. But not a lot is left in the ground because the mining has done a heck of a good job pulling it out. $11 trillion in gold. And how much of that $11 trillion is traded is actively on the market and you can buy and sell it. It's $250 billion in today's value of gold is traded. That's roughly less than 3% of the gold that has been mined is actively traded. Where's the other 97%, you might ask? Well, I'm going to answer that question. 47% of all gold mined is held in jewelry. 47%, roughly half of the gold that's mined, is held in people-owned jewelry. You have a gold ring, you, etc. Et so it's gold all over the place, right? 47% of all gold is there. And when gold jumps up in price, you'll see a lot of people cashing in their gold. They'll carry in all their gold jewelry into a pawn shop or into a place that buys gold and they'll get a lot of money for it. That has happened and will continue to happen. In addition to that 47%, 27% is held by private investors. Uh, I'll give you a story about private investors. For a private investor, the place in the world where gold is held the best is Switzerland. A lot of you know that, maybe a lot of you don't. I've spent a lot of time in Switzerland. The place to go in Switzerland, if you want to see gold, which you never will, is Zurich. Because if you walk down the main street of Zurich, what you don't know is underneath, directly below you, under that main street, are the vaults of the banks that line the street that you're walking down. And those vaults are loaded with gold, privately owned gold, owned by the banks, owned by private individuals, etc., etc., etc. That's where that gold is there's a huge amount of gold held in Switzerland. But the point is, private individuals hold a lot of gold because they want to maintain their wealth. Uh, and the very wealthy families own a lot of gold. It's worth knowing that, too. They own a lot of other things, like houses and stocks and bonds and, you know, you name it, they own it. But that's, that's what they're owning. Okay, so that's 47% jewelry, 27% in private people who own gold, that's bullion and coins. And 17% uh, of gold is owned by governments. The central banks own gold. 
Fort Knox holds all the gold owned by the United States government. Okay, so 17% of all the gold that's been mined is held by governments around the globe. And the last 14% is all others, other, other stuff. But you hit the main points. Where is the gold? You now know where the gold is. That's it. And remember this, less than 3% is actually actively traded today on the market. Can that 3% increase? Yes, it can increase, but not by a lot. How does it increase? Because people that own jewelry, when the price goes up, come and sell it because they want to buy something. So, let's move right along with this. Let's, with this golden story, this fairy tale story I'm telling you here. Uh, let's say that, uh, what if there's a bunch of money that enters the gold market? Now, remember the, the total value of traded gold is about $250 billion. That's not a lot of money, given that there's trillions of dollars of debt. What trillions of dollars have been put into bonds, right? What if bonds become a little shaky? What if people say, I don't like bonds because they're paying a negative interest rates. Incidentally, gold pays a 0% interest rate, right? And in fact, if you have bullion, you have to pay, if you want to keep it in a safety deposit box or have a bank hold it for you. You actually have to pay them to do that. So actually gold pays a, a very small negative interest rate. That's a fact. Okay, so so you're paying to hold gold or you can, you know, dig a hole in your backyard and bury it back there. It doesn't cost you anything. But the safety value is not as great as some of those other ones, maybe. Uh, so what happens if a small chunk of people sell their bonds and want to buy gold? Well, what's a small chunk? A very small chunk is much greater than $250 billion. I can assure you that. And if, if you have a $250 billion market and 250, an additional $250 billion comes in to buy things in that market, there is no top at how high the price of gold can go. It is phenomenal. That is the golden story to listen to. So you've been listening to my fairy tale about gold and the golden goose. The goose in this case is the world's debt of hundreds of trillions of dollars. Uh, you name any country that's uh, a major player in the world and they are knee deep in debt. So when, not if, that debt explodes and there's no timetable for this to happen, much of that money is going to come into gold, I believe. And this is just a belief on my part. Not, there's no, nothing certain in this world. When that happens, the price of gold could go anywhere. There's lots of reasons it could happen. There could be a reset of the monetary world. Remember that currency used to be backed by gold. You used to be able to take your, uh, your paper dollars, your paper Swiss francs, and take them to the central bank and they would give you gold for it. Those are the good old days when your money was backed by something. So this is the golden story where perhaps someday you can maintain, don't plan on getting rich, but you can maintain your wealth rather than just lose it, which is what's happening to everybody every year. And as we approach a new year with an opportunity of losing more money through inflation, this is the golden story coming to you from the economy guy who's sitting here in the south of France. 
I want you to know I took a walk this morning out uh, with uh, Christine and we walked along the ramparts overlooking the Mediterranean and looked up at the uh, Swiss Alps that uh, were capped in beautiful white snow. It is a crystal clear day today here in the south of France. I wish you were all here and we could all enjoy it together, break open a, a bottle of wine and, and uh, salute the ending of this year as it comes. So uh, be uh, grateful for everything you have and everything the world has and uh, be optimistic about the future because uh, it's better than being pessimistic. <laughs> that's, that's probably the main reason to be optimistic. So this is Tom Harvey coming to you the last time in 2020. Look forward to talking to you next year. See you next year. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to hit that subscription button. This is Tom Harvey. I'm an investor and not a financial advisor. Nothing should be construed as advice or solicitation to make a trade in any market. And I disclaim any responsibility for any negative effect of decisions made by the listeners.